The harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. Why did he use that word? God goes to extreme measures to bring the loss to himself. The greatest gift you will ever give this world is your intimacy with God. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are all three inside of me. I've got the power right now. I think what Jesus really wants is people to go. I want to be the answer to Jesus' prayer request. Welcome to the Fuel for the Harvest podcast. When this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world, then shall the end come. Hey everyone, and welcome to this latest episode of Fuel for the Harvest. This is Nathan. And this is Charlie. We're your host for today. And um, I find it, well, I find myself often in situations where making a particular decision is very difficult. Um, So what kind of decisions are you talking about? uh, Big decisions or schedule decisions. Like maybe you find yourself in this situation too. Like, hey, um... When I have something before me and both options seem right, but both are not possible, which one do I choose? Both are not possible? Both are possible. Oh, that Sorry. makes more sense. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, like when, when you're like deciding, hey, should we have kids or not? Right. Or when you're deciding, should I visit this country or that country? Right. Which is not necessarily what everybody's deciding, yeah. but those um, kinds of things. Which school should I go to? Yeah. Um, should I move to this new house? Yeah. to this new neighborhood. Which school should my kids go to? All um, these big life decisions. Yeah. yeah. Um, should I get a new job? Yeah. Or I have two jobs ahead of me. Which one is the right one? Mm. Is it the one that pays more, the one that I like more? Um, or is it is it this other one like th- that I'm going to feel better in? Like how do I decide these types of decisions? Yeah. Um, m- maybe if you're younger, like who should I date? Uh, and where should I go to college? Yeah. What should I study at school? There's all sorts of decisions. Sometimes yeah. they're huge life altering. And other times it's like, Hey, I have two camps to choose from this week. Which one should I choose? Yeah. The, the longer I live, the more I realize that as people living in the United States and really in much of the developed world, the, the question is never like, can I get an opportunity it's more frequently for most people, which, which opportunity of the many opportunities should I take? So how do we make these kinds of decisions? What would be the godly way of going about it? Godly decision-making? How do we approach decision-making? I was thinking about this topic this week because I faced it myself. Um, Makes a lot of sense. With where we're traveling, how long we're going, as I was praying, I had various things in my head and they seemed conflicted at first, but it ended up, there was a resolution. So just for context, Charlie and I are getting ready to uh, fly to a country in the Middle East. And uh, we were trying to get visas for this country. And my visa comes through weeks ago because I applied weeks earlier. Well, my, <laughs> mine was delayed much more than yours, even That's considering true. I had to yep. wait almost two months now right. to get mine from my application. Yeah, I think mine only took like four weeks. So anyway, whatever the case. So Charlie, so we're trying to decide, should one of us go if the other one can't go? And if, the, if only one of us goes, what should the other one do? Because we have this time period and Charlie's thinking is God trying to prevent me from going so there's just like a whole long yeah. list or of is Satan stopping me from right. going I yeah. mean there's those factors yeah uh, all are possible yeah God may be saying don't go Satan may be saying don't go uh, Paul had that in Thessalonians we've talked about it before where he said I Paul tried to come to you again and again but Satan hindered us yeah the group that he was traveling with right and uh, so that's possible too 
Um, but it made me pause. It made me process. It made me pray more about it. And so it made me start wondering, how do most of us make decisions and what's the best method? Uh, do we just decide? Mm -hmm. Like, well, I just feel like this, so I'm going to do it. Now, most of us say, no, that's not wise. Like, we shouldn't just off the take the gun out and just hip shot. Like, we're just going <laughs> to shoot, and wherever the bullet lands, that's what my decision is. Although um, I feel like many of us, like, we don't want to do that, but, but many we of do. us end up doing that by just the sheer lack of, like, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, so. Yeah. Yeah. I think that ends up happening, maybe especially with smaller decisions. Yeah. Um, bigger ones, I think we pause a little longer. Sometimes we just aim or don't aim and shoot anyway. Uh, but do we just <laughs> act or do we take it a step further? Yeah. We know the scriptures and we know godly principles. And do we just act based on our knowledge? Mm. Uh, let's just act. I'm going to do it with the knowledge I have. Um, is that the right way? Or should we seek wise counsel and ask others' opinions? And do we do what they say? Okay. Regardless of how we feel. Yeah. Or what if they conflict? Then what? So and like you're so the options so far are go with your gut basically yep. or just just do it. Okay. Then you've got knowledge of godly principles. Okay. So just go based on your prior knowledge of God's word. Okay. Um, or then, wise counsel. Yep. Okay. And do exactly what they say. Gotcha. Or what happens if wise counsel conflicts with what you feel or with each other, mm. then that's another factor. Um, or should we cast lots? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we see casting lots in the Bible. That's true. Um, I mean, Gideon famously puts out a, a rug. I don't know if I'd consider that casting lots. Well, but, it has a vibe of casting. Uh, let's call that... Um, seeking a sign. Yeah. yeah. Should we seek a sign? There's another one I hadn't thought go. of. So should we cast lots, like draw sticks out of a hat and say, God, like, this is the one or throw rocks on the ground in whichever way the rock points? Yeah. Um, or should we seek a sign? God, give me a sign. Mm -hmm. um, that's that's another interesting one to throw in. Um, do we pray? Do we just pray and then decide based on knowledge or do we pray and wait for God to speak to us? And which one of these is right? Which one is wrong? Is it all of them? Is it none of them? Man, like, there's, there's a, a lot, lot of factors here. So I just thought this would be a worthy topic. And um, I would propose, maybe there's more, but I would propose four dangers of decision-making and four steps to godly decision-making. Sweet. So um, the dangers, I would say, well, yeah, I'll, let's start with the dangers. What do you think? Yeah. So the first danger that I see would be you're paralyzed until you hear something from God. Uh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So basically the premise is because you so deeply desire to do what God's calling you to yes. do, but you can't discern what it what is, so you end up doing nothing. Exactly. Yeah. So I've heard a lot of people say, I can't do anything. I can't go here. I can't go. I'm going to stay at home. I'm not going to go to either camp. I'm not mm -hmm. going to go to any country. I'm not going to tell my neighbor about Jesus. I'm going to do nothing. I'm not going to go to college because I don't know which one to go to. Mm. And God hasn't told me yet. Right. I mean, that's a huge danger. I know that I've personally struggled with that. It's been nice having a friend like you, <laughs> who's kind of a gung ho, go for it, no matter what kind of guy. Um, Cause that helps my very like almost passive 
but more like just super reserved yeah. decision making style actually make decisions so that it works so, good <laughs> yeah there's always going to be i think a tension as we walk through this but i think yeah. that is one danger yeah. we do nothing because we haven't heard the voice speak to us right i uh i have a friend who was half forced out of their home and was living in a hotel at several times the the cost of live of rent just of rent let alone getting a mortgage or whatever and we went to him and said, "Hey, why are you why are you doing this? Like, why are you continuing mm. to live in this very expensive hotel when you could just rent a house for a month or two for much less money?" And he said, "Well, I just don't really feel like God's telling me to move." And it's like, "But you're wasting Yeah, mo- God gave you a brain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think God wants us to never think, right. to never analyze and to never act. Right. I think uh, I'll say this. I do believe God may speak to us at times, but I don't think God made it in such a way that we're not supposed to act ever. We're not supposed to think about things ever right. on our own as well. Right. I-, I think it goes two ways. So like on one hand, it's like you can continually seek the Lord and ask him. And if you're getting clear answers from him, might as well keep asking obey. him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of course, <clears throat> obey. Like I know somebody who asks Jesus, what should I have for breakfast this morning? Or they engage Jesus in the process of making a meal. Like what ingredients should I add and stuff like that? Which, <laughs> it, 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 yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. But if you're not hearing God's voice like that, it doesn't mean you shouldn't eat. Right. right. Yeah. And uh, so... um we all will connect with God in different ways as well, as long as it's biblical or not anti-biblical. And um, I'll say that. But uh, I'll say I think there's a great example of this in Scripture, Acts chapter 16. Um, Paul, I believe, let's say this. Let's start off early in Paul's life. He has a clear call from God to proclaim the gospel to the unreached. It's always been his ambition to preach where Christ is not yet named. God called him to the Gentiles to be a light. Clear. How he walks out that calling is a whole nother story now. Mm. Does he decide? Does he pray about it? Does he just do it? Like it gets to this decision making. Um, he's got the big picture figured out and already decided. But now the day by day is ongoing decision making. And I think he had a mix of ways he went about it. But in Acts chapter 16, I think he just decided he was going to go to Asia. You know, Asia seems like a good place for the ends of the earth. Let's do it. Yeah, let's take the gospel where it hasn't gone before. Yeah, yeah. and he tried. Um, I think he also listened to God in prayer. Um, you see the red letters of Jesus continuing in the book of Acts, even though he's physically not present there. He has already ascended to heaven. So Jesus keeps speaking, and often Paul is listening hmm. and hearing God lead him, guide him, direct him. Um, we could call it spirit-led decision-making, directed, Uh but he wasn't, I'll say this, he didn't cease to act until he heard something. Right. Yeah. So basically the premise is so in, because I, he had this initial call. Right. He just acted on that. Right. He just kept doing it. Right. Wherever his feet took him and wherever he felt like going. And then if God directed otherwise, he listened. That makes so sense. So in Acts chapter 16, Paul on his own volition attempted to go to Asia, is my opinion. Well, And uh, it uh, says he tried to go. Right. And... and under the call of God right. to go and proclaim to, pro- to the Gentiles. To fulfill the Great Commission. Right. So if you're going, I want to fulfill the Great Commission, all of us are commanded to, go do it. Just yeah. try. Just yeah. start. Just start. And be listening to God as you do about who and where and how, but just start. 
And so I, I, as I look at Paul, he's trying to go to Asia. And in Acts chapter 16, I think verse 6 and 7, it says the spirit of Jesus stopped him. Mm. Twice in Acts 16, it says God stopped him. Spirit stopped him. The spirit of Jesus stopped him from going there. And you might think, what? Like, why? How? I wonder how he stopped him. We really don't know. You have to read between the lines of scripture. Did he hear a voice? Um, have a dream. Did the did the borders close? <laughs> like, did they say you may not enter? Like, we don't know. Right. It doesn't say. But we do know that night when he slept, he had a dream or he had a vision. And he woke up. I don't know. He had a vision of a man in Macedonia saying, come to us. We need this. And then on he went to bring the gospel to Macedonia. That's where God wanted him to go. So he was seeking to please God and acting in obedience. And then the spirit directed him. Um, some people have described this this method um, like a car. Uh, it's a lot easier to direct a car that's moving mm. than one that's stopped in park doing nothing. You yeah. can steer a car, but if it's stopped, you're not going to push that thing forward anywhere. Sure. If it's in park. Yeah. And uh, I think in the same way, if we're acting, if we're living in obedience, we're doing our best. And we're going to saying, God, what do you want now? How should I move forward? He's going to be directing and guiding us. Right. And there's a few things that go off in my mind as like checklist items. Like, is what I'm doing scriptural? Check. If it is, keep going. Is what yeah. I'm doing glorifying God? Check. Yeah. If it is, is what I'm doing advancing his kingdom? Check. Is what I'm doing uh, like if, if what I'm doing is, for example, glorifying myself or not biblical or then not advancing the kingdom, then <laughs> it's not just like a, yeah, I'll just keep going until God stops me. Like, this is not a good reason to just keep on sinning, right. for example, just because God hasn't, quote unquote, stopped you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Or, and just on the other hand, just because God hasn't spoken to you somehow magically or whatever else or prompted you to do something doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Right. Just if it is it godly, do it. Yeah. Just do it. So don't uh, be paralyzed in fear or don't be paralyzed to take action simply because you haven't heard a voice tell you. Right. Oftentimes we talk about mm. like, well, sh uh, you know, I felt like the, I felt like I was supposed to go talk to that person, but I couldn't tell if it was really from Jesus. So I just didn't. And really, it, I mean, there's nothing wrong with going and talking to somebody. You're most likely not going to turn them away from Jesus by having a cordial right. conversation about Jesus with them. So there, there should be nothing preventing you from that, regardless of if it was a loud, booming voice from heaven or not, right. because we've all already been called. Interesting side point. I don't see anywhere in Scripture where somebody's discouraged to talk about Jesus because of fear of turning someone off. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Yeah. I think a lot of people were turned off from Christ because of what Jesus himself said and because of what his followers said and what Paul said. Yeah. The gospel's a stumbling block. Those people were turned off because it's a stumbling block. Yeah. Now, and, I'm not saying <laughs> there you go. purposely turn people away, right. woo them, love them, proclaim, yeah. but uh, not proclaiming because you're afraid of turning someone off is stupid. Because the gospel will turn people off just by the nature of... By them not wanting to submit to it. Yeah. And I will say the only time the scriptures clearly talk about people being turned away or turned off and wrongfully is by you not living it out. Mm. You living an unholy, sinful choosing that lifestyle just because you feel like it and still claiming the name right. of Christ, there's a lot to be said, especially in the words of Jesus in the, the early uh, letters of Revelation about that. Yep.
hypocrites. Anyway, so um, that's a whole side conversation. <laughs> Maybe that needs to be an episode one day. Are we um, still on the first danger? Yeah. Oh, man, we so, should move on. <laughs> uh, Maybe we need to make this episode the dangers. Maybe do another episode on the do's of godly decisions. So the, the steps. But um, swing the pendulum the other direction. Just act with never seeking God's guidance. So that's the second danger. Yeah. Okay. So the first one is paralyzed. The second one is never seek his guidance. Mm. You just act. So uh, if I'm understanding this one correctly, it's kind of like what I did in college when I said, hey, I'm going to be an engineer, God. Will you just bless this calling that I've decided to put on my life? Is that what you're referring to? Yeah. And you never said. I never submitted it to like, the Lord. I, I was never like, hey, do you want me to be yeah, an engineer? Yeah. yeah. Lord, should I do this? Yeah. Lord, do you have something for me? Mm. And um, maybe if you would have done that, he would have said nothing and you would go, okay, well, this is glorifying to God and I'm going to do it for his kingdom. Or maybe he would have said something to you earlier on sure. and saved you a year of your life. And a lot of money out of public <laughs> college. <laughs> um, so I think sometimes we just decide and we never ask God. Mm-hmm. We never seek God. We never pause to pray about it. We say, Lord, would you help me make a wise decision? Would you give me wisdom? Is there something you want to show me here? Mm-hmm. Open my eyes to see it. And uh, we just shoot from the hip and we just go. Whether that's on our own or whether that's just on prior knowledge of godly principles, I think there's a danger of not pausing to seek God's guidance in the midst. Agreed. Prayerfully. Absolutely. I think one of the biggest temptations to doing this is uh, comfort and wealth, Mm. Uh, especially in light, like I was at this camp just recently and having a ton of great conversations with various students and as I was talking to the 19, 20 year olds about their future, many of them were like, their eyes were fixed on money. Like Mm. just to be very blunt with you. Uh, And they had made every decision up to that point based Based on on their capacity to get money. And that's not a godly decision. Right. Well, and, and everybody needs money to live, but when that's what your eyes are fixed on, when that's your ultimate goal, it's like, see, I love people whose life goal is to make lots of money for so God's that, kingdom. Yeah. To say, I'm a money maker for God's kingdom. I'm yeah. fueling the mission. I'm I'm giving in generosity and providing for God's people. I mean, people overlook those people in the Bible, but they're there. Right. Mary traveled with Jesus and his band of disciples, which people often overlook. Mary Magdalene. Yeah. Yes. And provided yeah. financially for them. Absolutely. So that's a funny paradigm right there. <laughs> anyway, so... But but it's the motive. Right. It is the motive. And just while we're on this subject of money, um, I I don't think it's good for us to go around saying, hey, I'm going to go and be this really big engineer or make a lot of money. And then, you know, and then I really just feel like and we put like this spiritual blanket over it and then I'll give a little. It's like the, the people who gave. I feel like they were the ones who said, hey, I'm making a lot of money, but I'm not going to live all the way up to what I could live. Like, I'm not going to live an extra- extravagant lifestyle, even though I can afford to. I'm going to live a, a moderate lifestyle and give as much away as possible. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that, like, that's a requirement. I'm just saying those are the people that, like, when it comes to saying, hey, I'm going to be a maker, I'm going to make money for the sake of God's kingdom, that's the mentality that they have. Right. It's not like, hey, I'm going to give my 3%. It's like, hey, I'm going to give as much as I possibly right. can as a conduit. They, those people may be giving, I don't know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60%. Right. Even living off their 30, 
could be considered to some extravagant living. And honestly, I don't have a problem with that. Sure. Because uh, Paul writes in Timothy, um, or is it Philippians? Shoot. Yeah, it's Phili- end of Philippians. He's learned the secret of being content with little. Yeah. And with and much. with much. And in the same passage, this, forgive me for not remembering this reference. It might be the end of Philippians or, or one of his letters to <laughs> Timothy. Uh, but in the end, he's talking about riches and he's talking about wealth and he's talking about the wealthy people. Mm. And he doesn't say it's a problem. Uh, in fact, he says, God gave this for your enjoyment. Right. Which is a crazy, shocking statement. The problem is when it's the love of money. Right. Right. So, which is like the case with the rich young ruler. The yeah. reason he went away sad is because he loved money more than he loved Jesus. Yeah. And so God's given it for enjoyment. So I have no problem with enjoying, like people enjoying the money God's given them. Right. And they want to buy a dirt bike and have fun. Go do it and have fun. (laughs) They want to take their kids to the movie theater and like buy the movie theater out and have a fun birthday. Go ahead. Sure. But, uh, hey, are you being generous? Are you loving God's people? Are you advancing the mission with what you have? Um. Anyway, that's a whole other topic Sorry, right there. I didn't mean to get us off uh, on a major. So, <laughs> um, uh, so we've got these two dangers, which really involve ourselves. Yeah. Um, I don't do anything because I haven't heard God or I do everything without seeking God. Mm-hmm. We got to be in the middle of those. Um, the second two dangers revolve around other people. So um, interesting enough. In the scriptures, when people would cast lots to bring us back to, should we cast lots? Um, That was always done in a community thing. They're like, all right, let's get together and let's cast some lots. So for those who might not know what casting lots is, can you give a brief description? Basically, it'd be like a little group of rocks that they'd throw on the ground or pick one out or whatever. And whichever one was that one was the decision they were going to make. So basically, it was kind of like a random... Or draw a stick out of a cup. So it's like, it, like the modern equivalent example. would be short straw. Like yeah, whoever draws yeah, the short exactly. straw. Exactly. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's a, it's a thing like that. And, um, you see this happening in the new, old Testament and in the new Testament, it was a common way that they made decisions and said, must be God's will. Mm-hmm. Um, they, the soldiers, funny enough, the soldiers who were crucifying Jesus cast lots for who was going to get his garments, mm. which is just a crazy paradigm. Um, but, this practice was also a practice that the followers of Jesus used. You see them casting lots for who's going to replace Judas, the one who betrayed Jesus. Well, who's going to be the other apostle leader right now? Like, let's cast lots to find out. And they're like, well, this guy seems pretty cool. Let's cast lots. Yep, it's him. Sounds good to us. And then something interesting. After that point, you never see them cast lots again. And so there, there comes a point that, in the scriptures that where they historically stop. they stop. Yeah. And so should we cast lots? Well, after Acts chapter two, nobody casts lots ever again that we know of. Well, it's not written in the New Testament. It's not there. Yeah. It's all over the place before Acts chapter two, but it just ceases. And I actually think the author inspired by the spirit wants us to see that because what happens in Acts two changes everything. They were, they, the Holy Spirit came to dwell inside of them and fill them. So Acts chapter two is Pentecost. Yep. Tongues and of fire. Yeah. All Peter speaking in languages. And everybody. they hear the gospel. Yeah. And uh, then you see them from that point on making decisions differently. Mm-hmm. From that point on, they make decisions through a multitude of things. But uh, one of them is being empowered and led by God's spirit. 
And so they no longer cast lots. And um, often these decisions involve multiple people. It's not just one guy either. Mm. And um, so all that to say, no, you shouldn't cast lots. And uh, there are other ways to make decisions, which we'll get to. But um, what is the danger here? Isolated silo living. Mm. It's just you. You're the only decider, you and Jesus, and you never ask anybody else. Um, we have limited perspectives, mm. limited wisdom, limited experiences, and I would even say limited hearing from God. And I think potentially like God's... we're fallible, yeah. in other words. Like you can and think you're hearing from God, but not actually be hearing or from Or you him. are hearing from God, but he doesn't want to give you the full picture because he wants you to work with other people who have the other side of the picture. Gotcha. That makes sense. So I actually think in many circumstances that God doesn't give us the full picture as one person mm. that he intended for us to work together and therefore he gives pieces of the picture to different people that's a really cool observation because it fits with God's heart for like the body of Christ working together mm. the multitude of different gifts like all like everything you see in Paul's letters about the body of Christ points to us working together yeah. towards this common goal I, I really that's Which, a great observation it's interesting, like um, in Acts 15, they had to make a serious decision, the Jerusalem Council, about the gospel and what practices were going to be included or not Particularly circumcision. And, yeah. Yeah. And their their end statement is, it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. Mm. It required a group of them, not a single person. And uh, also you see the New Testament church some brings a prophecy someone else brings a tongue someone else brings a revelation or someone an else brings an interpretation someone else brings a song someone yeah. brings a hymn um whatever you think about all these things each person had something to bring to the table mm -hmm. for, from the spirit from god and um so i think there's a danger in living isolated silo living uh we do it alone we do it solo we do it independently and we never ask anybody else's opinion proverbs is packed full of saying seek wise counsel find out what other wise people say yeah um now and also quiet yourself <laughs> yeah yeah and so i think a danger is silo living yeah we just do it ourselves um the fourth danger seeking to please others mm. so that's a huge, huge danger. And I think there's all sorts of facets about it. Yeah. Um, the book of John says, seek to please God, not men. Yeah. Acts 5.29 says we're to obey God, not men. Right. And so there could be a danger of while we're seeking wise counsel that we just do exactly what they say. Right. So, for example, when I was thinking about leaving engineering and getting into ministry, I had an older gentleman, a neighbor of mine, who I very much respected, call him my surrogate grandfather, sit me down and say, Nathan, you're making a terrible mistake, mm. right? And he's a, I mean, people would look at him and say he's very wise, like he's living a comfortable life, he's made a lot of yeah. good decisions in his life, like he's a wise person, but he gave me advice counter to what the mm. Holy Spirit of God was speaking. Yep. It happens. Um, there are times I've had the same thing. Yeah. People have told me when God called me and asked me to give up everything I had worked for, full ride scholarships, military career ahead of me, 
like charlie is this really wise mm-hmm. you have no money saved like you're gonna go to a private christian college or what what are you gonna do you're just gonna go out there on your own like how are you doing this maybe you should just get your degree let the military pay for it serve your time and then do this after like is it really wise what right. you're doing no god's called me to do this i have to mm. i have to whatever the cost may be or charlie do you really think you should go to that country like that's on the top five most dangerous for christians um that's really dark like it's a bad idea it's not wise for you to go to that country i'm like well god's asking me to go are you sure it's god like you know satan might be leading you to go there to take you out and people have told me don't go to that country people told me oh we didn't think you could preach like we didn't think you were called to this because you didn't have the skill and um i'm better now than i was before still not the best (laughs) still working on it but people would said that to me Hmm. and i'm like i'm just obeying jesus i'm just trying to do what he's asked me to do but these were all people who would be considered wise godly Jesus loving people who've said these things. Mm. And so um, I think we have to be careful that we seek wise counsel. We consider wise counsel. We honor wise counsel. We respect wise counsel. We make sure we see all the angles we don't see. But at the end of the day, we're not here to please them. Right. And we're also not here to please people around us. They may be driving us in a direction we shouldn't go ever. Like a sinful direction, dragging bad cr- company corrupts good character. So we're not here to please negative people either. I think there's often a voice that we listen to, and it's the minority voice mm-hmm. when we make decisions, whether we're church leaders or group leaders or uh, what we're going to be afraid of with our family or whatever it might be. Oh, well, did you hear? They they thought that you sh- you shouldn't make the carpet yellow, and like it's it's one person who made one complaint mm. and we listen to the minority and it's like no you do what god said you do you listen to the wise counsel but we can't listen to the minority either or the negative voices or the bad company or all of a sudden we're driven to the ground we're in a direction we should never be we felt like we were pleasing the people we can't please anybody all of a sudden and it destroys us right and uh I, i'm just thinking about it in terms of like what you're saying with the people pleasing thing, but even more like it's, it it becomes incredibly difficult to discern what's from God and what's not from God Mm -hmm. in light of wise counsel. Like, because a wise counselor can tell you any number of things. And I've, so I've, I've had it both ways. I've had a wise counselor say to me, Nathan, Hey man, Mm. you know, the, the, the mouth that God gave you, the tongue that God gave you, to proclaim truth and to share all of these good things and like and you have an eye to see things that other people don't see and an ear to hear things that other people don't hear like that's all good fine and dandy stuff but uh have you taken note that you're kind of harsh have you taken note that even though god gave you a voice Mm. that it is designed to be it my voice is designed to push people to a point of decision yeah like but if it functions in my sinful flesh like it becomes this like very harsh cruel mm. mean tool anyway all that like, to say like condemning versus wooing people to a decision exactly um or even just con- uh, a, a spirit of condemnation versus a spirit of truth right um all of that to say 
so there, there's been those wise mm. counselors who who have brought that to my attention and have shared it. And like, that's really good wise counsel. And they gave me perspective that I didn't previously have. But then on the flip side, we've got these wise counselors who are saying, hey, you know, to Paul in the in, in the New Testament, hey, you shouldn't go back to Jerusalem because yeah. then you're going to die. That, that's in, um, uh, I want to say, Acts chapter 21. Sure. It, so they literally are like, Paul, and crazy enough, by the Spirit, they said it. Right. Like it says, this, like they they were filled with the Spirit or they listened to the Spirit. It says according to, like, or they prophesied. That's what it said. They prophesied in the Spirit. You're going to say, face suffering. You're going to be bound in Jerusalem. And then don't go. Yeah. So you're going, right. So the Spirit of God is saying you will go and be bound. And then the people are saying, don't, don't go. go. Yeah. You have to read between the lines to know that because it just says they prophesied and then here's what they told Paul. Right. So that's a whole nother interesting one. Right. All, all that to say, on the, that's the flip side of wise counsel, which is like all of these people and what they're saying seems wise. Avoid imprisonment. That seems like a wise <laughs> Paul, thing. <laughs> you need to preach to more people. Yeah. You're going to be put in prison when you get there. Yeah. And um, you know what his response is? Yep. I think I should just quit and stay here with you guys and have a good blast of the rest of my life. No, of course no. not. No. He's like, why are you guys weeping and breaking my heart by saying mm. these things. Mm. Like, I am ready not only to be bound, but to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Mm. And then it says they, <laughs> because he was so stubborn, it says that they gave up trying to convince him. Right. And they said, let God's will be done. So what are the tests for wise counsel? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, one, make sure that they're wise counsel and not negative voices. There you go. So what does that mean? Are they people who are in God's word regularly? Are they going to church and being filled with truth? Are, Do they and, love Jesus? And and not just are they going to church, but are they a engaged. contributing member yes. of the body of yes. Christ? Yeah. Are they engaged in the local church? Is the Bible their authority that they they, they read the scriptures regularly, ultimately pointing to, to Jesus, our ultimate authority? Yeah. Uh, do they love Jesus and desire to be up close to him? Do they have a track record of obedience to Jesus in their mm. life? So, hey, are they sharing Jesus with other people? Are they loving people? Are they living out the good news of Jesus? Because if not, they may have a strong voice, but they may not be wise counsel. Right. If they have zero experience in following Jesus in any of these areas and they're telling you something, just say, okay, take it with a grain of salt. Like maybe yeah. they don't know yeah, um, and they're just trying to say something to you. Uh, but at the same time, make sure you listen with humility, I mm -hmm. think. Um, look for those people who have walked farther down a Jesus trail than you have, um, have a couple more gray hairs than you have, yeah. and say, hey, what has this looked like for you? Can you help me out here? And in my experience, those wise counselors don't come to you complaining. Uh, they also don't typically come to you in a harsh, cruel, yeah. or manipulative way. They oftentimes come to you in humility mm -hmm. and care and compassion. And those conversations often begin with, listen, man, I love you deeply. I wouldn't share this with you yep. if I didn't love you deeply. And I'm seeing this in your life. And you might consider like, like listen that, to those voices. The, those are very wise counselors. And, Proverbs, and it's not exactly like that, but it's true. Well, yeah. you know what Proverbs says in response? The wise man thanks you when you rebuke him. Yep. So if you want to be a wise person, thank those people. Yep. 
Whatever you do with it, thank them. Now, I think on the other hand, that won't always happen. People won't always come to you, but you should seek out wise counsel. Yeah. Go to some trusted godly people that you know are living it out and say, hey, could you prayerfully consider this? What do you think? Let me know what you think. Yeah. And uh, so um, uh, dangers. But, yeah. Uh, would <clears throat> seeking signs be one of the dangers? Are we going to add um, that? Or is that in next <sighs> next episode? That's between the two. All right. So I, w- I don't know. Let's hit it for five minutes. Here's the danger of seeking signs. Signs can, you can read a sign in whatever way you want. Yep. And this is what I've continually seen time and time again. People are like, Jesus, please give me a sign. And then they see something and there's no pre-agreed upon what does this sign mean or anything like that. I've had mm. people say, God gave me a sign to pursue a married woman as a man. <laughs> or what, what, what was that sign that she was attractive to you? <laughs> right. Like, I mean, <laughs> I've had people say, God gave me a sign that it's okay to, to, to get flat out flying drunk all the time. I, I mean, people will. Why? You... Because the open sign turned on at the bar when you were hanging out outside. Right. I mean, people will manipulate and use signs. If you're one of those people out there who's like, God gave me a sign. I encourage you strongly to question it to yeah. the nth degree um I, like Gideon seeks the Lord and gets signs and God speaks to him in a way, in that way I'll be honest with you in the early days before I really knew that God still spoke and I didn't really understand his voice or what it sounded like or what it felt like um I sought a sign mm. and I was like all right Lord if these three things happen, I'll know that you want me to drop out of engineering school and get into ministry. And all three of those things happened. Yeah. So I won't say... God, it's not like he can't. Right. I won't say he wouldn't ever, but I will say with extreme caution and be extremely timid and be extremely yeah. specific. Yeah. I have another example which was not specific. Yeah. So... um. I was praying about uh, our our trip and work for North Korea. And I was like, Lord, some people think I'm crazy. Like, do you really want me to go? Could you give me a sign that it's really you talking to me? I believe you've asked me to, but could you give me a sign? I didn't ask for anything specific. I just sure. said, could you give me a sign? And um, I'm kind of thick scold, so I'm not going to see like the tree leaves falling on the ground as a sign yeah yeah like oh i looked up and i saw in the clouds like a rain cloud coming and it was kind of dark and you know north korea is a dark place so god must be asking me to go like right. uh, nothing like that where it's yeah. like okay it was a rain cloud yeah so i prayed this lord like gideon i literally prayed that give me a sign that it's really you talking to me exact quote of what gideon prayed mm. and uh the next day um my wife, who at the time we were just friends, we weren't even dating yet. We were just friends. We knew about each other. We were just friends. She comes to me the very day after I prayed this, and she says, hey, I don't normally do this, uh, but, you know, I had this dream, and someone in the dream said that you and your friend Nathan have a burden for North Korea for a purpose, and you're supposed to go. Mm. And I'm like, hold on, what? <laughs> I didn't ask you to pray. Mm. I didn't ask you anything about it, and God spoke and mm. gave this sign. But it was, I mean, could it get any more clear? 
Right. I didn't say a word about it. And the next day, boom. So could God do it? Yeah. But I agree. Approach with caution. I want to say that's maybe the only time in my life I've done that. Maybe right. maybe five times, a handful, but I can't remember any others. So I would say it's not the best method for decision making. It's not common. Can it happen? Yes. Can it be manipulated? Yes. Easily. Approach with extreme caution. It right. is a danger. Yeah. Maybe it's a do right. for decision making, but it's it's a yellow light. Yeah, I mean, an ex- like a deep yellow, orange, hard, Gatorade orange. Yeah, light. like it's a, uh, <clears throat> yeah, approach with caution. Anyway, yeah, thanks for thanks for hitting that for five minutes. I yeah, I no, that's that a good point. Yeah. So, should you cast lots? Uh, probably not. Nobody else did after the Holy Spirit poured out. So, <laughs> if you got the Spirit of God in you, you might throw lots in the trash. Um, should you seek a sign? Deep yellow. Be very cautious. Um, dangers. Should you, when it comes to your internal decision making, don't live in paralyzed doing nothing, disobedience. Um, don't forsake seeking God's guidance and just always act with what you feel like. Um, don't do it alone, isolated, silo living, and don't make sure that your motive is not simply to seek to please the people around you. Mm-hmm. Um, those would be some dangers. I think uh, that's pretty good. So you're probably leaving this going, that's great dangers. Now, what the heck do I do? Well, um, listen in next week and you'll get to hear. Um, we're going to talk about what are the do's of decision making and not just any decision making, but godly decision making with these dangers. How do we actually approach it? Sounds good. Well, thank you so much for joining this latest episode of Fuel for the Harvest. Don't forget to unsubscribe and resubscribe or like and share. We really, really appreciate all that. And if you ever have any thoughts or comments or questions, we'd love to hear from you at fuelfortheharvest at gmail.com. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day. God bless.